We're continuing our series, our summer series in the Psalms this morning, but we get the privilege of Pete Mitchell bringing God's Word to us this morning from Psalm 96. So you'll hear a little bit more about Pete's work in Toulouse, France later this morning, but for now, Pete's going to be proclaiming God's Word to us. So I'd like to invite Pete up here. It certainly is a pleasure to be with you this morning. I apologize for my froggy voice, but such is a summer cold. This morning we are going to turn in uh, Psalms, as, as Mitchell said, uh, the Psalms are given to us as a book of, of uh, poems and, and songs that we can help to tune our hearts to God's heart. And so whether you're in the depths of despair or if you're at the, the heights of, of joy, there's a Psalm for you. And so the Lord has given us this book so that we can be encouraged and uh, we can express to him in an appropriate way our worship. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do praise you for the fact that you give us your word so clearly and you speak to us without stuttering. And Lord, we want to hear it this morning, we want to hear it in our hearts, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would apply it to our lives. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Summertime is kind of a change of pace, I think, in a lot of places, at least uh, where we live in Toulouse, my wife and I, uh, it's very different from the rest of the year. Uh, life slows down, and, and there's a lot less traffic. Most people take a vacation either in July or August, and some can afford to travel. Others do what we call a staycation or sort of stay home and, and take a break. Sadly, some French evangelical churches uh, find that, that uh, summertime there are not many people coming to church, so they stop having meetings for a month or so. Uh, as missionaries, we, we don't do that. We, we maintain our services, even uh, if it's you know, a handful of people. We have a family service. 
And oftentimes we see a lot of people that come to visit Toulouse, where we live, uh, and, and summertime is a, is a good time for us to meet new people and minister to them and, and they to us. So um, it's, uh, summertime can be a change of pace, but it's, it's a time that we can get uh, some much needed rest and refreshment, but that also includes spiritual refreshment. So you might say that's why we send missionaries. Uh, missions is, is not the ultimate aim of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. So there, as quoting a, a Piper, John Piper, who, who said that to encourage us to, uh, to see that uh, worship is the core of what, who we are as, as uh, believers. We've been created for it, and so uh, God expects it from us. Today we're going to reflect on the, me the meaning and the import of Psalm 96. This is a psalm of praise, uh, most likely penned by King David, that invites the people of God to, uh, to, pray, bring, uh, to bring the message of salvation to the nations of the world. And if you'd like to read a little bit more about the background of this psalm, you can read uh, 1 Chronicles 16, uh, verses 23 through 36, which is almost word for word this psalm with a few expansion points. Uh, so it, it uh, was written by David and his uh, other poets, uh, the psalmists. This morning, uh, I'd like to read or reflect on this psalm in the light of the coming of Jesus the light of his advent. You might say, well, it's not Christmas time, Pastor. This is July. But this, this theme of, of advent or Christ coming into the world is true all year round. And I, and, uh, I know that, that as we see uh, Christ coming into the world, into our lives, he can change our sadness into joy. He can change our darkness into light. He can change, uh, he can bring uh, words to our silence. So I'd like to meditate uh, with you on the coming of Jesus Christ as our perfect prophet, verses 1 to 6, then as our perfect high priest, and lastly as our, as our great king. So the first section of this Hebrew song, all creation is exhorted, these are imperatives or commands, to sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his marvelous works among all the nations. Because God's son, Jesus Christ, has come. As I said, we, our sadness can be turned to joy. Our mourning can be transformed to dancing. Jesus is offering us and the whole world salvation and freedom from our sins and bondage. King David is calling us and all of God's people to worship the one true God. He even calls out the entire earth to sing praises to God. This psalm is intended for everyone. Sing, sing, tell, declare. Words must be spoken to sing. In, in France, we often say, when we sing, you're, it's like praying twice. Why is it that when we sing, it's like praying twice? It's because... As you, if you learn a new song, first you have to listen to it, and then you repeat back the phrase. And so as you listen to the words, and as you repeat back the phrase, you've prayed twice, especially if it's a very edifying song. So words must be spoken to sing. Sounds go through the air when we make music and clap our hands. 
This is not an invitation to be silent or to retreat to our, our bedroom. As we read this psalm in the light of the New Testament, we recognize that this is the coming, that the coming of Jesus Christ into our world and into our hearts is the reason for a mighty celebration, a message we cannot keep to ourselves. God has done something amazing, and he's spoken powerfully through his son, the great and final prophet. Jesus' coming to earth brought an end to the prophetic silence of the intertestamental period, several hundred years between the Old and the New Testaments. And on that glorious night in uh, the fields near Bethlehem, the shepherds were terrified by the appearance of an angel of the Lord. Fear not, the angel said. I bring you good news. Great joy will be for the, all the peoples. For you, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly, the text goes on, said that there was an angel with a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. So Jesus is coming to earth motivated the angel and all the heavenly host to sing and to speak praises to God. So Christ coming into the world shows us how to worship, shows us how to worship the one true God. Does the thought of Christ's first coming make you want to sing and shout or speak praises? Whether you can uh, carry a tune or whether you can't, that's not the question. Has the joy of your salvation uh, penetrated into your heart to such an extent that you, your heart is warmed and you want to, to share it? If not, simply ask him and he will show you how and why you should praise him. In Psalm 96, we're given several reasons uh, to praise God in verses 4, 5, and 6. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. All the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Again, here we see clear prophetic statements, words of revealed truth spoken with power to inspire the people of God and to call to repentance those who are still far away from him. So often we think that a prophet is one who predicts the future. But here, we, the real sense of a prophet is one who carries the word of God, who speaks forth the word of the Lord, which is true right now for us today. Our Lord Jesus Christ, during his earthly ministry, spoke this way with authority from his father. He was known for his, his words that were full of wisdom, and they said he does everything, uh, he does everything perfectly. Our God is great. He is beyond compare. Our God is to be revered above all the false gods. All the other gods are, are mere idols, but the, the vain imagination of men. Our God is the creator of all things, seen and unseen. The world and the universe is covered with his fingerprints. Because of this truth, we can agree with David that our God is surrounded by splendor and majesty. In his presence is strength and glory beyond comparison. Jesus was not surprised when he read this psalm, including Psalm 96. Jesus Christ wasn't surprised because 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. So we see in that prologue to the Gospel of John that Jesus Christ was there at the beginning. And so he knew uh, the splendor of the Trinity. And also from Colossians, speaking of Jesus, we know that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions, rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So as we hear David praising the creator, God the creator, we know that Jesus Christ, the final and great prophet, would say amen, because he was there and was active with God the Father in the creation of all things. This fact that our creator God is greater, stronger, more glorious, more full of splendor and majesty, this should move us to loud praises and deep humility. How could such a God as this want to save such a poor man like me? What right do I have to come into his holy presence? I'm not worthy. I'm not ready for such a God as this. How can I come close to approach him even to pray? So this brings us to our second point. The psalm invites us to consider the coming of Jesus Christ as our perfect high priest. How did the Hebrews approach their holy God? They, they came in hum, humility uh, through the servants he appointed, the priests. If you've read through the Old Testament, uh, my sweet wife is reading through Leviticus right now, and she shares with me what she's reading. Uh, and it's, uh, it's full of a lot of uh, sacrifices and a lot of uh, explanation details. Uh, and so we've been exchanging about that a little bit. The Hebrews followed the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, which prescribed in great detail the sacrifices and offerings required by God to show their contrition and to, for their sin and to show their thankfulness for his providential provision and mercy. In this section of Psalm 96, verses 7 through 9, we're invited to draw near to God and to speak the truth about his attributes. Ascribe to the Lord, bring an offering, worship the Lord, come into his courts, tremble before him, all the earth. All these uh, imperatives, these phrases, these commands apply not only to God's people, but to all the families of the nations. The foreigner and the Hebrew alike were ordered to come near to God. All, uh, all of the, the, the males were required to take the sign of God's people and many different kinds of sacrifices were required for each type of sin. Animals offered as sacrifices had to be perfect without any defect or blemish. That sacrificial system that God required was complex and costly. Jesus fulfilled that system of ceremonial sacrifices by giving his life a perfect sacrifice as God and as man fully for on the cross of Calvary, in his death, Jesus Christ is simultaneously our perfect high priest and the blameless sacrifice for our sins. Jesus Christ is a perfect high priest 
Because he is fully man, he accepted the limitations of being a man. Hunger, fatigue, sadness. Jesus understood all of our weaknesses and has compassion for us. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin, Hebrews tells us. Chapter 4, verse 15. Jesus Christ is also our perfect high priest because he is fully God. His lineage is not through Aaron and the Levites like all the other priests. In Hebrews chapter 5 again, So Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed to, by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as he says in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So by being fully human and by being fully God, Jesus fulfilled the role of our perfect high priest. And the letter to Hebrews uh, goes on in chapter 10 and reminds us that we can approach God. We can come into his presence because of Jesus being our perfect high priest, being fully man and fully God. Therefore, brothers, since you have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he's opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Such a glorious message. We cannot be kept quiet. It overflows from the thankful heart of every believer who has received Christ's healing touch. Have you felt and experienced the love of Christ in this way? He took your place. He took my place on the cross. He suffered for me. He suffered for you. He is your perfect high priest, your savior, and your king. Now we come to the third aspect uh, of this passage, verses 10 through 13. The coming of Jesus as our king. Here the word advent takes on its second meaning. There is the first advent of Jesus Christ as a baby in Bethlehem. Then there's the second advent of Jesus Christ when he returns at the end of time to judge the earth. The first time he came in simplicity and meekness. The second time he will come with power to judge. In the meantime, the Lord reigns. There's no gap. God is in charge, the earth and the universe which he created. He sustains it and maintains life. Jesus Christ reigns with God the Father and the Spirit three in one. This is what we uh, remember at uh, the day of ascension. Uh, Christ ascended into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So he reigns with the Father. His work is complete. In... Um, we see God judging in verses uh, 10 and verse 13. Uh, there is an emphasis on God judging equitably the, the earth and the world and all the peoples. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. For all creation, there is joy and gladness in the thought of God's reign, bringing justice to the earth. 
He is so good, he will make all things right again. The heavens will rejoice, the fields are jubilant, all the trees of the forest will sing for joy when Jesus comes to judge the earth. For those who have not heard, who have not accepted the message of the gospel, there is not the same kind of joy and happiness. For those who don't believe that Jesus is God's son, who have not seen his death as a turning point in their lives, they may not appropriately fear his second advent. For as Paul's letter to the Romans tells us, they are without excuse. God has revealed himself in the natural world. His invisible attributes are clearly seen in nature and in in, uh, our own guilty hearts. And that's often covered up, masked over by foolish human philosophies minimizing our sin or exaggerating God's love or, or uh, minimizing God's holiness. And so secular man thus deludes himself in thinking that all is well without God. What can we do? Show the love of Christ. Show the mercy of the Lord. Show the patience of Christ. What can we say? Tell your story. Share your failings and your own brokenness. Then tell your friends how Jesus is setting you free, healing your brokenness, and giving you renewed power and hope. We have good news to share, good news to share of Christ's coming. We have urgent and good news to share before it's too late. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do praise you for uh, your mercy and your kindness to us, for your patience with us. Lord, this psalm encourages us to worship you as our perfect prophet, as, as our high priest, both man and God, and, and as our king. And we do praise you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done in your uh, in coming to earth and in your ruling in our lives, we do pray that you would uh, change us, transform us, make us more like you. Amen.